holy fuck. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's because I need yeah, to be back Yeah, you need here. to sit back. Fuck, I forgot. So, yeah, just... Oh, boy. Yeah. I need to remove my mic. I need to move my mic. I'm ready. Let's do this. the watts podcast episode three today we have exciting news uh, we're I not define exciting news we're not quite as ghetto anymore in our setup no we we're have, still pretty ghetto i want to yeah. be clear about that well so should i mention what equipment we have that's new well to start with we're on a matched pair of microphones holy <gasps> shit such a new concept so exciting i know so oh, yeah look at that audio we have we have new microphones. Yep. Um, do you want to say what they are? All right. Our microphones, instead of being a shotgun mic, and that we severely crippled. Yeah, a, a really expensive, really nice shotgun mic that I had to cripple <laughs> to, to match. match the shitty forty dollar Radio Shack mic that I found. <laughs> yes. But, so we've upgraded from that to the Shure SM. 57s. Yes, two of them. A two match, of them. A matched set. Yep. Um, so that means much less work in post, and hopefully yeah. we sound better. Um, but we are still screwing around with yep. the, the settings. And, and we don't gear. have the pop filter yet. Yeah, we don't have a pop filter yet, which is why I decided that we would be re- – we would set up all of the gear to have the microphone really far away from our <laughs> from our faces so you yeah. don't get the, the, the popping and the semblance <laughs> – um, but in the future, we might play with that, and we might go in all sexy and get the mics real close up in there. But for now, but uh, for now. not now, right. not yet. And so we replaced the stands with it too. Oh yeah. So now we, we have arms. Yeah. That sit up there. We have some some, some spring loaded road, arms. Some spring loaded road arms that yep. um, I think still need to be weighted. Yeah, and uh, really janky shock mount. Well, not janky, just it's awkward. Jankier than expected shock mount. Yeah. And um, we've got a headphone works. amp, so we can hear ourselves better. And, and oh, fuck and with we have a preamp stuff. now. And we got a preamp, a nice tube preamp. So yeah, um, these are these are delicious improvements. Um, more, more to come. More to hopefully come. Hopefully, more on the day recording this. Hopefully, more tomorrow. Yeah, actually, tomorrow. But I For wanted now. I wanted to record a podcast because I felt like we hadn't recorded in a while. Yeah, and um, because I wanted to give these things a test run and see how it yep. goes. And it was definitely a good idea. I know we were hesitant about not having the mixer and testing these. Because I remember when I showed up and we found out we didn't have the mixer, we were like, oh, fuck, we're not going to be able to test this. Yeah. And then we remembered we could just patch into the old mixer. The old mixer <laughs> is a piece of garbage, to be clear. $35 piece of garbage. It works. It works. You know, yeah. so that's that's where we're at. And uh, now we bring you episode three of the official watts podcast yep so let us start with um the movie that i saw on new year's day all right well actually new year's eve um what movie was that it was all the money in the world uh the new ridley scott film i believe we talked a little bit about the controversy yeah we we talked a little bit about the controversy and our hype for the movie yeah. Um. So you know, Kevin Spacey aside and all of that. Yeah. Um. The movie was good. You haven't seen it yet, have no, you? Not yet. I want to see it. So yes, the movie was 
it was good. I would not describe it as great. All right. Um, but it's good. And I, I feel like it fills like a, a segment of movies that don't really exist anymore yeah. where like it's okay for a movie to just be good. So where would it bring this up of that? Where would it be in comparison to War Dogs? It'd be about there. About, about yeah, because the, I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Yes, we did. Okay, yeah, War Dogs is sort of my benchmark for like a movie that is good, not great, right? It, we need more movies to fill in that area, and I think um, I, I think all the money in the world really hits that. I think Ridley Scott wanted it to be great, though. Mm. You know, Ridley Scott being Ridley Scott, of course, but the movie is good. Um, and you know what? Um, Christopher Plummer, who replaced Kevin Spacey, he was good too. Um, now I didn't go in there like, oh, fucking Christopher Plummer, let's fucking see about this, you know, (laughs) or anything like that. But I will say Christopher Plummer comes off a lot more likable than I think Kevin Spacey would. And and what I, what I mean by that is Christopher Plummer is just sort of inherently likable in like every character that he plays. He's just sort of the likable old dude. Yeah. Sort of like Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think Kevin Spacey would have played him more sinister, yeah. right? And I think that would have been a good thing for the character to, yeah. to be more sinister. But yeah, he was still he was still good. Um, I still really like Christopher Plummer in the role. And yeah, like the, the entire movie, I don't think I really have any complaints. One of the major complaints I tend to have about uh, either true stories or biopics, of which... I wouldn't really classify this a biopic because mm-hmm. um, it's about a, a small uh, a small little incident that sort of took place over a couple of months. Yeah. So um, it's but, more in the true story yeah, category. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one of the complaints I have about both true stories and biopics is that they tend to skip ridiculous amounts of time and then yeah. don't explain it. And you feel like you just missed a whole bunch of shit that the movie just didn't feel like telling you about. This did skip a lot of time because it takes place over months. But you never the, the 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 entire movie has a flow to it, and you never really feel like you're missing anything important. You never really have any questions about well, what happened in those couple of months. Yeah, you know, it the movie has a flow. It it pulls you through the whole thing really well. And overall, um, yeah, I don't really have any complaints. The cinematography was good. Ridley Scott cinematography usually is pretty decent. A problem that I usually have with period pieces is I fucking hate it when they shoot period pieces on digital Mm, right like a period piece really feels like it should be shot on film you know make it feel like what we're used to that period feeling like in movies yeah this well i mean just wait until the 2000s could be classified under period piece (laughs) well but you you know what i mean like when when you shoot something that takes place in the 90s back and this took place in the 70s um shoot it on film now that being said um normally i have that complaint right off the bat Mm -hmm. in this one it didn't really bother me. It was shot digital, but it looks really good. It has a really good color palette to it. It has a really good um, green color cast to the whole movie, um, and it worked. I I never felt myself focusing on the fact that oh, this looks like a digital nightmare. You know, <laughs> like uh, uh, I guess another one would be Thirteen Hours that I had that problem with. Oh. With the they looked like they just blasted the blue channel up. Well. <sighs> Like, when you're shooting digital, yeah. you know, it seems like a lot of directors just ha- 
or not a lot of directors, but occasionally, I, it's either a director or a DP will have an issue where they don't understand that you have to control the blue channel, right? <laughs> it's not like film, you know? You can't just throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. You have to control certain things. Blue being the highest wavelength in visible light is going to peak a camera far easier than, like, the red channel or the green channel will. Uh, what was it called again? 13 Hours had a huge problem with that where it would just like peek the fuck out of the blue channel with like uh, car headlights or Michael Bay's favorite, you know, lens flares <laughs> would just peek the fuck out of the blue channel. Um, uh, what was that? What was that shark movie? 37 meters down or something like that. 47 meters. 47 down. meters down also had that problem. It was hilarious. Yeah. Her, her blue um, <laughs> diving mask. Every time you saw it peeking the blue channel, it yeah. was hilarious. I still have not watched it. I have it. I just haven't been able to find any motivation to sit down and watch it because it's not I know. really worth it. Like it's yeah. not even funny bad. It's just sort of a bad movie. Yeah, I, I knew it was gonna be like that. And that's why I still haven't watched it. But yeah, so uh all the money in the world didn't really have a problem with uh, uh controlling the channels. Oh, no. Like, I mean it most people don't. Like um yeah. thirteen hours and forty seven meters down are both extreme examples i yeah. like blue peaking is not something that you usually see so when you do see it it's shocking that anybody let that through in a feature film or, yeah. or in a studio film rather yeah uh i think paul anderson has some trouble with it not to the extent of 13 hours or 47 paul meters anderson? Down. who's paul anderson paul again? w sanderson uh, mortal kombat yeah. alien versus predator resident evil right resident evil yes because yeah. i always get him confused yeah never mind Go yeah ahead. no uh i don't think I really don't think – because he usually has that problem, not to that extreme, but I think Event Horizon doesn't have that problem. Well, Event Horizon was shot on film. Yeah, and that's, that's probably why. Um, but yeah, so All the Money in the World was good. That being said, I have a fucking bone to pick with um, Harkins because, mm. oh my god, I saw it in the worst theater. So, you know, you, you go to see a movie – in, in Harkins, like, of all places, you yeah. know? Like, they're probably the biggest theater chain. Uh, I go to see it in Harkins, and we're standing around waiting, and when we get let into the theater, it is the smallest screen I have ever fucking seen in a Harkins theater. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, this theater was buried in the back of the building, you know? It just, it was incredibly small, and the screen was yeah. off-center, too. The screen oh, was yeah. off center of the, the speakers. It was really fucking bizarre. And it was the screen was easily eight feet off the ground. Yeah. So you're you know, even in the back row, you would be looking up at the screen. It was ridiculous. Yeah, in the smaller theaters in Harkins, they all have that problem. Like those little shoebox theaters. But, I mean, it's depressing though, because all the money in the world is a good looking film, and that is not the way that I wanted to see it, you know? Yeah. I can tell you exactly why you saw it in that shoebox theater. Oh, I know why. Yeah. Disney. For, the, for those who don't know, Disney. We talked about this. Yeah. Like, and I know it's going to sound like we just shit on, like, we just blame Disney for everything. But no, seriously. Disney bought out the... Um, Largest theaters that yeah, were so, in the... Uh, so at... At, at Harkins, it would be the Cine Capri, right? Cine Capri and the next largest theaters. Right. And then AMD, it would be the Dolby AMC. The AMC. It would be, yeah. Dolby and It would be the Cinema Dolby One. Theater in this Cinema One. Um, and then, like, they bought out all the IMAX screens. Yep. Um, so if you go see it 
uh, here in in like a true IMAX theater we have here. Yeah. They bought out this true IMAX theater to play which movie? Uh, Star Wars. Yeah, right. The Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. The one that fans want removed from the canon. Yeah, so <laughs> that piece of shit is clogging up all of the good screens. So now we have to see other movies depressive, like depressingly just pushed back to garbage screens in these theaters. Yeah, and not to mention they're in the wrong time frame of releasing movies for releasing a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. That's a summer blockbuster. Winter's for dramas. Yeah, like, come on, man. Let the dramas have the good screens for once. Like, it's bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. I think we got that out of the way. You liked it. Oh, and the, uh, other, the other funny thing what? was, after we uh, finished the movie... I was waiting around in the lobby. Number one, Harkins is putting in bars now. Yep, I know yep. AMC was, oh my but God. now Harkins has jumped onto that. So there are yeah. bars in Harkins, and I was leaning against the bar um, waiting for somebody to get out of the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just looking at the TV, you know, playing whatever the fuck it was playing. Mm-hmm. And some guy stands next to me, and I'm wearing my Deadpool hoodie. Yep. It, he was the second person that night to look at my hoodie <laughs> and be like, hey, you excited for the second one? Now, to be clear... <laughs> I do want to see the second one. Yeah. Like, of all the, the superhero movies that I bitch about, I like Deadpool, and I want to see the second one. I hope it's good. So I turn to the guy, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I do. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the second one. And he goes, oh, that's cool. What movie did you see? And I'm like, okay, now I'm stuck here, right? Yeah. Now, it, now it's one of those people that's just not going to stop talking until I actively walk away. So I'm like, oh, I saw all the money in the world. And he goes, oh, I heard that movie was great, like really good. Did you see Star Wars? And I'm like, No. I didn't see Star Wars. And he goes, it was okay, but I like Jumanji better. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Jumanji with The Rock and the Ro- Kevin Hart and, and Jack, Jack Black? Black? Like, <laughs> like, oh my God. If you like that movie better than Last Jedi, that says a lot about Last Jedi. More, yeah. more about Last Jedi than it says about Jumanji, I think. I mean, the one thing that I can't knock Jumanji for is that The Rock is a huge fan of the original. Then why does this new one have nothing to do with the original? I don't know, but... Like, it's not even remotely the same story. It's it's not even a board Uh, game this time. No, I know the idea of the movie was instead of the world of Jumanji coming to our world, we go to the world of Jumanji. That's fine, but why is it a video game this time? Because board games are outdated. Who gives a shit? A board game. Studios, apparently. Board game is what made it cool, though. It was like this yeah. old, dusty board game that he well, found in a construction site. Yeah. It's cool. I have not seen the movie, but I've seen parts. Uh, from what I know, it starts off as a board game, and the character's are like, oh, board games, it's an old piece of shit, and they put it on a shelf, and it transforms itself into a game cartridge. That's fucking For, like, retarded. an Atari. That's retarded. Yep. Wait, an Atari? Like, it, it looks like an Atari yeah, game cartridge. Yeah, board games are outdated, but Atari, yeah. Atari's in, man. Right. But it transforms itself into a video game to lure more people into it, and then they get sucked into it, and then it starts from there. Yeah. But the only reason that I care is because The Rock is a huge fan of the original and cares about the original. So I don't know... If this movie's a piece of shit, complete piece of shit or not. I don't know but, that it's a piece of shit. Yeah. I just, I thought it was great. The guy's like, eh, Star Wars is okay, but Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, man. That's where it's at, you know? <laughs> That's quality. <laughs> all no, right, so. It just, Jumanji looks like a big, dumb action movie. It doesn't even look like a dumb action movie. Like, you know what it mm, looks like? It what? looks like the uh, Brendan Fraser journey to the center of the earth. 
Right. That's exactly what yes, it looks like. That is what it looks like. I completely forgot that movie existed <laughs> till just now. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, moving moving on from that. Yeah. Um, you just watched a couple trailers. Yes, and we'll yes, start with one that we talked about last week, which is the Spider Man trailer. Which I for- fucking forgot again to find the actual proper name of the Spider Man movie. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think to look either. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess that says something about how much we care. Yeah, uh, but we'll uh, just call it Spider-Man Black Person Edition at this point because that's okay. what it feels like. So, so tell me what you thought of the trailer because I just showed it to you this okay. week, even though I said I would show it to you last week. The day we're like, <laughs> I, oh my god, you're like, I'll show it to you after this week. And later. Yeah, that never happened. But now no. you've seen it. But so. now I've seen it. It looks really fucking neon. It does. Like, it looks super 80s neon. It yeah. looks like it should have the Hotline Miami music over it. It really does. But I mean, um, what do you what do you think of the trailer though? It looked kind of it looked it was a fascinating concept of all the superheroes in New York or Spider-Man. Well, but d- does it Okay, see cuz I don't read comics. Yeah. You do. Um does it look like um each Spider-Man is a Spider-Man that shows up in the comics? So far from what I saw in the trailer, yes. So, so far they look like they've shown up, but I think a few are originals for the movie. Okay, but does it basically look like they're just sort of merging each different Spider-Man all into this same universe at the same time? It, that's what it felt like to me watching that. And that could be a cool concept if you have the story to back it up. Sure. But yeah. this doesn't look like it has a story to back it up. Well, I mean, we'll see. For what little we saw, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because there's really nothing um, in the trailer. The trailer's just showing off the visuals. Yeah. And uh, Devin had mentioned last week that the reveal that the main character yeah. is Miles Morales was sort of really awkward. <laughs> yeah. And well, unnecessary. Unnecessary. It's also really awkward. Sure. But holy shit, it's a lot more unnecessary and awkward than I thought, where he, you're completely right, where it just seems like they're shouting, look, we got black person in our film. <laughs> because, like, at the beginning of the trailer, I kind of assumed it would just be him. Yeah. And so you're watching the whole trailer, assuming it's him, just so that they can reveal it's him at the end of the trailer. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really weird. The movie looks fascinating. They don't tell you much of a story. Of what the story is aside from, oh, Miles Morales is discovering that every superhero in New York is Spider-Man. And that's pretty much it. I don't know that he's discovering that. I don't know. Well, because he asked the question, well, how many of us are there? Oh, that's true. So it seems like he's discovering that, holy shit, I'm not the only Spider-Man. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. So we we got that out of the way. Uh, that was the first trailer I, I showed you. Yep. The second trailer is actually a movie that you told me about that I assumed you would watch the trailer for, but had I, not. I did not know there was a trailer out for it. That's the thing. Okay. Well, we are talking about the new Slenderman movie, which is just called Slenderman. Yes. Um, and by uh, the way, <laughs> yes, new Slenderman movie. There are multiple, if you were unaware. Yes. Uh, the most famous one is the Marble Hornets one. Which was called... It was called Eyes uh, in the Dark or something. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> I thought it was like Eyes something. I can't remember. I don't... Whatever. The, the Marble Hornets movie. You can just which Google that. Which is complete garbage, by the way. It's, I watched that and it's like, 
what happened? You had such great production on the show. Like, yeah, the, the web series is better production value than the movie that actually yeah. had a budget. Yeah. It's like they managed to get a budget and spend it all on weed or something like that. <laughs> but that is not this movie. Yep. This movie is just called Slenderman. Okay, well, let's let's talk about the trailer a little bit because I find it interesting. All right. One, it clearly has a budget. For sure. It shows that in just the look. Yeah, exactly. The look of the movie, like, the movie has a DP that clearly gave a shit. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Very. For, for a Slenderman movie, that's fascinating. <laughs> because up until now, the Slenderman movies have been really bad, ultra low budget, ultra yep. independent. Mostly faux documentary. Yeah, well, because you have um, both Slenderman and, or, uh, God damn it. Um, we're, oh, Marble Hornets. Yeah. You have both Marble Hornets and Everyman Hybrid, which yeah. sort of made Slenderman blow up. Um, so everybody s- seems to think that that's the way you have to make a Slenderman story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a movie, is to do it like sort of faux documentary. This one is not doing that. This one is, um, uh, pure movie. Yep. Um, and it looks like it has a cinematographer that gives a fuck because there's a lot of shots in the trailer for as generic as the trailer looks overall. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of shots in the trailer that look like, you know, there's an artist, you know, back there somewhere in the crew. Yeah. Um, especially the shot of her in the field at the end of the trailer looks great. Yeah. It almost looks like a you know, Coen Brothers movie at that point. Um, but yeah, so I'll be interested in, yeah. in seeing how it comes out. I don't have a lot of hope because it's no. a, one... It's a uh, creepypasta movie. Yeah, one, it's a creepypasta movie. But two, like, horror movies just k- typically kind of fucking suck now for the past Damn. decade. <laughs> like, I think even longer than that, like, at least 15 years. Like, the, the last good horror movie to come out was It. And the horror was the weakest part of It. Yeah. So And we're talking about the remake. Oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. the The last right. really good horror movie to come out was, um, uh, oh, oh, Conjuring. Yeah, Conjuring. Thank you. Both yeah. Conjuring and Conjuring Two, which is a surprise, and, and It Follows. Yeah. Um, I want to give them their due because yeah. those are are great movies. I was mu- I was very surprised at how good the Conjuring was. Have you especially seen the second after one yet? Insidious. Not yet. Yeah, Insidious is garbage, but Conjuring yeah. is actually really good. Um, and the Conjuring Two, not as good, but mm. still good. Um, anyway, the point is like the. The state that horror movies have been in lately is just awful. So you'll get those one or two um, good ones that sort of peek their head, you know, above the the level of the rest. Yeah. But ultimately, when you go see a when you see a horror movie in the theaters now, yeah. do you go to it and actually expect it to be good? No, no, you don't. You expect it to be bad. Most people, I think, go to them to to laugh at them. Yeah, and most horror movies now. They're they're generic in oh every God. technical sense. Just look and at the Conjuring just, yeah. spinoffs. Yep. Like, you know, you have the... Annabelle. Annabelle. Like, that is possibly the most, the single most generic horror movie ever made. Yes. They're generic jump scare gore fests, essentially. Was Annabelle that gory? No, Annabelle wasn't. Yeah, but was most horror say. films nowadays feel the need that... Oh, there's so much blood, so well, it's scary. Yeah, they try to replace actual horror with blood. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping, like, 
it's weird for me to say that I hope a Slenderman movie is good, but ultimately the truth is I never hope a movie is bad. Yeah. Like, I want more good movies to go see, so clearly I hope it's good, but it's a Slenderman movie, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't know that really anybody could make a good Slenderman movie. Like, no. there's, there's not much content there, really. No, and this this is a debate because people will go and say, well, look at all the creepypastas based on him. But if you're looking purely at Slenderman, I'm talking about the original contest from Something Awful Forums that created the character. Well, everybody seems to have put their own spin on it. Like, did, yeah. did Slenderman have tentacles and shit originally? Uh, I think in one of the pictures he did. I cannot remember if it's one of the original pictures he actually did. Mostly he was a guy in a suit with no face, and he stood in pictures that were taken that majority of the children ended up going missing. Yeah. Well, that, in real life. That well that was the thing with Slenderman is like uh you know people would take old, you know, old pictures and basically just photoshop Slenderman into the yes. back. And people lost the didn't understand the idea that those pictures that were chosen for the contest were p real pictures of real children who actually really went missing in real life. Oh, were they? Yeah, I didn't know that. It okay. was the majority, like the playground photo, a lot of those children actually went missing. Okay. And so what the creator did was essentially put the creature in there to connect it as, oh, he's the one watching the children and abducting them. That's a little bit weird. I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that they were actually kids that went missing. That's maybe a little bit disrespectful, but, you know, maybe whatever. Whatever. It's an internet forum. Yeah. <laughs> so this this new one... Like I said, I hope it's good. We need good, more good horror movies, but yeah. um, ultimately, it's a Slenderman movie. Yeah. It, the I think the problem when I, because it looks generic to start with. It does. There's one good shot in the entire trailer. That's not true. There's a couple uh, good shots. It's just they're the, buried. There's one in with, that really, really stands out. Yes, there's one that really stands out, and that's the the, the shot that you shot. see at the end of her in the field. Yes. Uh, for what little you see of the Slenderman creature. He looks like garbage, but that's because it's only a first pass on visual yeah, effects. Yeah, okay, see, this was this was something else that I was like, this is really goddamn generic, is, yeah. is when you actually see him. Because how many times have we seen that scene? Where also, it's like, jump scare. Yeah, well, yes, but <laughs> how many times have we seen the scene where it's like, okay, you see main character on half of the frame. Yeah, in villain, the foreground. In foreground. Villain on the other half of the frame in background. Main character is hiding behind something and then she look or main character looks around object, yep. sees out of focus bad guy, goes back behind cover, but the camera follows her, right? Yeah. And then she looks back again and he's like right there. Yep. How many fucking movies is that in? I swear to God. Uh, pretty much every horror movie recently, <laughs> including the uh, Conjuring rip-off, spin-off. Spin-off. Close enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we see it in almost every horror movie to the point where, okay, when you see the camera follow somebody behind cover really tightly, like awkwardly close... Guess what? You know the bad guy's about to jump out. Yeah. When we see a refrigerator open or somebody open a medicine cabinet, guess what? When that refrigerator or medicine cabinet closes, bad guy's going to be behind it. You know, yeah. like all of these things. Can we please stop putting them in horror movies? Be creative. And, and if you can even subvert the trope and I won't be mad at you. No, I'm mad at people doing that too because hmm. people do that. People do will, will 
actively like set up the camera so that yeah. when main character opens medicine cabinet, you're like, he's going to be back there. And then they close the medicine cabinet and there's nothing there. And you're like, then why did you have this shot? It's not like the character even did anything right. important there. Yeah, the conjuring even does that in like the first 15 minutes. I think, the, yeah, I think the conjuring does. I maybe haven't seen so many movies where it's done that as I've seen it where it's like, oh, the bad guy's right there. No, there are but, a lot of movies uh, that try to subvert that expectation, yeah. and it's almost the, it's I almost mean, become just as much of a trope to yeah. subvert it as it was to do it in the first place. And the problem is both of those can be done well. They just aren't because people don't understand how to do them. Okay, yes, both of them can be done well, but even if you think you can do it well, fucking don't do it. Like, yeah. just stop putting it in movies, at least for a while. Can we go yeah. for the next 10 years and not see that in a movie so that when somebody brings it back, it actually means something? Yeah. Because I'm tired of seeing it. I really it, am. Yeah. And I want to bring up the idea of some locations are default spooky. Like, because I brought yeah. this up when I had brought up uh, some, there could be something interesting and I had it planned set in a, uh, a mental hospital. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's automatically spooky and I'll no longer be taken seriously if I use that. It's some bullshit because there can be ideas in there. Well, yeah, that, just, that, you had uh, a story yeah. uh, that was to take place in a mental hospital. And my first note was, you can do that. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. I'm just letting you know, like, mental hospitals are played out as horror locations because fucking every horror takes place in a mental hospital. And what's sad is they use that. Or at least has a scene in a mental hospital. Slender Man has a scene in a mental hospital. And it's bullshit because there is a chance for good stories in there. Shutter Island. Yes. Um, But like I said, like even when I was talking to you about this, I said I like Shutter Island a lot, but my brain is still going... This is a mental hospital. You know what I mean? Like, we've yeah. seen mental hospitals so many times. It frustrates me to no end when I get a story and it's like, it's right. The location's right. But if I use a location, I'll be taken as a joke. <laughs> and I don't want to be taken as a joke. There, there are times well, when I can be. but I'm, I'm less no. concerned about locations yeah. as I am with how you jump shoot scares. them. Well, jump scares, number one, need to go away. Yeah. Like, what happened to actual tension and not relieving the tension? Okay. Let me, let me uh, explain this <clears throat> a yeah. little bit because of, of what you just said. So, basically, a jump scare comes from what? Uh, a slow buildup. Normally, the music will fall out so you know one's coming. Yep. Um, and it'll it'll play around with you a little bit, and then the boom, jump scare, right? Now the problem with that is it diffuses all tension. It's a build and release, right? Yeah. And you can't do that to an audience over and over and over again. The audience will get tired. But beyond that, Spielberg has a great point that I quote all the time mm-hmm. when he was talking about making Jaws. Um, there is a jump scare in Jaws. Right. Yep. The face that pops out of the boat. Yep. Right. So who was it? It was Hooper was diving. Um, he picks up the, the tooth out of the wrecked boat and he's looking at it and the face pops out and there's a big scream and he drops the tooth mm-hmm. um, and goes back. And there is a second jump scare. Right. And that's when Brody, they're on the boat. Brody's chumming the water and then the shark jumps out of yep. the water uh, well, not jumps out. Well, not jumps out, but pops out. Po- pokes his head out of the water, right? Now, um, originally, the the scene where uh, the shark pokes his head out of the water 
was the jump scare, right? Mm -hmm. But they felt that they could get a, a bigger jump out of the head coming out of the boat. Mm -hmm. So they played around with the timing of the head coming out of the boat and found the timing that they felt worked the best, that got the biggest reaction yeah. out of them. But what that meant was, and what Spielberg discovered, is now when the shark pokes his head out of the water, there's a much lower reaction to that scene. Yeah. Because what had happened is the audience didn't trust Spielberg anymore, right? Because they... Spielberg had already shocked them, so now they're always on edge. So now a second jump scare isn't going to function nearly as well because he had already got that from him yeah. or from the audience, right? So when you put in fuck tons of jump scares, your audience doesn't give a shit because they, they stop being scary and they start becoming annoying and predictable. Yeah. Which is one reason I really liked um, It Follows. Yeah, because I don't think there's a single jump scare in it. Um, there, there isn't none that I can think of. No, there is one. Is there? But it's not a very good one. Um, it's when they're in the boathouse and the the door, the bottom of the door blows right. out, and then you see the creepy kid's face. Yeah, that was a jump scare. One, it wasn't a good one, and two, the movie could have done without it. Yeah, but the rest of the movie, there's no jump scares, and that's what I really liked about it. Right, mm -hmm. because like people tend to forget. Like, horror movies used to exist entirely without jump scares. There's not a jump scare in The Exorcist. No. There's not a jump scare in Alien, you know? <laughs> not, not a not jump a, scare in Psycho. Not a jump scare in Psycho. Not a jump scare in Rosemary's Baby, even though no. Rosemary's Baby kind of sucks. There's not a jump scare <laughs> in, in The Fly, either no. the original or the Jeff Goldblum version. No. You know, like, these are some of the most famous horror movies ever made without jump scares. Name one ridiculously famous horror movie that will stand the test of time that has a jump scare in it uh probably actually conjuring um i would say not the test of time but for a long while yeah see i the conjuring is never going to be the exorcist no no but it is the best one and in terms of jump scares it has the best example of how to do a jump scare yep because it goes for a long time. It goes for easily 15 minutes dragging out the one jump scare. So by the time you get to that jump scare, it's explosive. Oh, right? yeah. It, it, I mean, it, the jump scare just blows up in your face, and it's intense. And it's the best example I've ever seen of a jump scare. Uh, and it's when the sort of witch lady jumps down off of the uh, – it's not a closet. Whatever the fucking thing is. Oh, the – like an Whatever. armoire or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, whenever the the demon chick jumps down off of off of that at the uh, the kids, mm -hmm. it's a great jump scare. But the movie could have done without all of the other jump scares that it tries to do. It's the one complaint I have about the trailer for the movie Annihilation. Is there's a jump scare with the creature? It looks like there's going to be a jump scare with the creature. They kind of blow their load in the trailer where they're in the uh, I guess the shimmer. And they're all, you know, shivering, facing one way, and the creature comes up behind. Oh, comes up behind Natalie Portman. Um, I don't. It really looks remember, like it's going to be a jump scare. The you know they built the tension in it. You can see where they're building the tension in the film in that scene, and then it shows the creature come right up next well, to Natalie Portman. We'll, we'll have to see because that doesn't really look like a very jump scary movie. So I no. hope they don't shove a bunch of jump scares into it. Yeah, and yeah, like. <sighs> directors need to learn that there are other ways to build tension you know yep. oh here's another thing that you need to stop doing in horror movies mm -hmm. okay 
stop like whenever something like moves in the background you don't need a musical uh cue you know yeah. what i mean like when something moves you don't need the the boom boom yeah. sort of it's creepier or, or the violins yeah. you know it's creepier without that because then you noticed it yeah exactly on your like, own and maybe not everybody noticed it that's the thing is like when you see something that you're not quite sure if you saw that's what's creepy. Yeah. But when the movie tells you, no, you definitely saw that, that's not creepy. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of paraphrasing H.P. Lovecraft because he brings a good note on that. The fear of the unknown will always be scarier than the fear of the known. Yes, of course. I mean, that's that's horror to a T that people don't seem to understand anymore is what is unknown is scarier than anything you could possibly show me. Yep. And it does go into this because if you're if you're talking about little subtle movements in the background, you kind of want the audience to to not be quite sure that was something evil or if it was not really there or if it was just something in the background. You want the audience to always be on edge, never knowing where the the villain yeah. is, right? And that's why jump and, scares are bullshit. And, because well, yeah. They ruin that tension. That yeah, they really that brings, do. They really do. Edge. And but I can't tell you how many movies that I've been watching. And the Nostalgia Critic even has a running gag about this. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was Nostalgia Critic where he's like, "I can hear your whoosh." <laughs> I think that was <laughs> um, Nostalgia Critic. Yeah, where it's like anytime something you know whooshes past in the background, it's like I can hear your whoosh. Yeah, fucking stop it. Stop adding. Um, don't add the stab. You don't need that. Yeah, no. Uh, just just let it happen in the background, you know, and and let the audience feel that tension of holy shit, it's right there, you yeah. know, instead of just telling them, look, look over here, see, it's right there, with like fucking neon arrows and shit yep. pointing. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing you could do is it's passing in the background, and then the camera digitally pans in no. on it. That they may as well at this point. Yeah. You know why does anything happen to the background in movies anymore? They always yeah. find some way for you to focus in on that as if it's on the foreground. Yeah, it's the same problem I I kind of find with surround sound because everybody still makes everything in stereo, even though we have you know five point one, seven point one, because reasons. Especially in horror movies, there's a chance to scare the audience with something behind the camera in the fear of the unknown. Yeah. But now I'll say I'm uh, probably the worst person to talk to about surround sound because yeah. I have never gotten anything out of surround sound. Yeah. I listen to, you know, my my setup in my office for watching movies is stereo. You know, I don't give a fuck about surround sound headphones. <laughs> I mean, they suck normally I mean, anyway. They're fake but surround sound. Not all of them. Some of them really? put like five tiny speakers, uh, like whatever. But that's no, ridiculous. I I don't really like surround sound. I don't hear it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if something comes from behind me, I don't really register it as being from yeah. behind me. At least not I coming mean, out of speakers. Yeah. If I hear somebody behind me, then I know they're behind me. But when it comes to surround sound setups, I don't get that effect really. Yeah, and I notice that a lot. Is a lot of people don't seem to get that, but it's. It seems to be, you know, perfect for film audiences because a lot of a lot of people, it seems to be different on in the theater speakers than on, you know, their own surround set. Well, it's because theater speakers aren't like garbage. Five point, well, they're not five point <laughs> one. They're like yeah. fucking sixteen point four, you know, yep. like massive, crazy setups. Yeah. And I guess that's why they don't do it is because it doesn't translate well into home theater speakers. 
uh, uh, theater setups? I don't know. But... I've just I've never heard anything mixed to 5.1, and I I did used to have a 5.1 setup, but I've yeah. never heard anything mixed to 5.1 that did anything for me on a surround sound setup. Yeah. Even in theaters, I don't hear it. Hmm. You know, like it's I, I don't know if it's just me. I assume it's just me. Uh, I know that it, it's not just you, but the majority of people seem to notice it. And I I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old school. Like I, <laughs> I like mixing to stereo like 2.1, you know, yep. is my friend, yep. you know, and that's that's how I listen to everything. Stereo in the sub. Yep. That works for me. But yeah. There's a yeah. lot of shit that horror needs to fix. Yes. Uh, low frequency utilization. It's really fucked up in horror. Because either they overuse it or they underuse under, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but I guess off that rambling, the trailer for Slenderman looks generic. Probably well, the part that had me like, oh, God, you piece of shit, was when Slenderman, I guess, was controlling the black lady, and she picks up the little knife and stabs herself in the face. Oh, she, well, it's a, it's a scalpel, bitch. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> scalpel. The little knife. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, she stabbed herself, like, right, right in the face. the face. Like, that. I just saw that. As yeah. soon as she that, picked up the, the scalpel, I was like, she's going to stab herself in the face. That, for me, like, do, do you remember the Sicario 2 trailer where the guy's fingering yep. the gun? Yep. Her stabbing herself in the face with the scalpel uh, was this trailer's equivalent of that where it's like that's just hilarious yeah <laughs> that can't be taken seriously at all no and but yeah my point was going to be you know horror there's a lot that horror needs to fix as a genre yeah and i do not expect the slender man movie to be the one to do it <laughs> no sadly i will probably end up still seeing it i'll see it but but again um, i'm gonna wait for it to be in Redbox. yeah mentioning annihilation I did not realize it was coming out in Feb in February of this yeah, year. Yeah, it's it's not too it's, long from it's now. Yeah, pretty close. So I'm excited for that. Uh, moving on because I got nothing else to say about. That. I mean, I could sit here and talk oh, yeah. about horror for the next three hours and yeah. how to fix it, but we're not going to do that. We'll At least that, we'll maybe we'll for do, another podcast. Maybe we'll do an entire episode just talking about horror. And, yeah. and how it needs to be done, or it, how it can be yeah. done well, and how it can be done poorly. Especially coming from two people who understand horror. We, well, we'd like to think. Yeah. You know. I mean, I at least grew up with it, and I I really studied it. Well, you grew up with horror and, and studied horror. I have grown up studying storytelling and cinematography and yep. filmmaking, so... Together, I'm sure that we can come up with a good list of things to do in a horror movie and a good list of things yep. not to do. Together, we make one competent person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on for that, so in other news, I don't believe we've talked about this in either of the previous podcasts, but Quentin Tarantino and Star Trek. Yep. This is bizarre to me. Fascinating yep. and potentially really good. But bizarre. Yeah. So I thought he was directing a Star Trek movie. No. So what happened was, and, and for those of you who don't know, um, Quentin Tarantino was apparently just hanging out with J.J. Abrams one day and pitched Abrams a Star Trek movie. And Abrams fucking loved it and immediately went out and found a team of writers to write it. So mm -hmm. Tarantino isn't writing it. And he's not directing it. He just came up with the story. Yeah. So now there's a team of writers working on writing it. And I guess there's a potential for Tarantino to direct it. 
I would like to see that. I don't know how likely that is. It would be interesting more than anything. Well, here, here's my thing. Okay, there, mm. there's a couple of angles to this. Yeah. Okay. Now, one angle is that this would be the fourth Star Trek movie in the Abrams series of Star Trek movies, which if Tarantino is going to make a Star Trek movie, I want him to make a Star Trek movie, not a sequel to a Star Trek movie, yeah. right? Give him his own movie that isn't tied down with a bunch of bullshit. You know, let him do whatever he wants. Um, but two, my other concern is that for decades now, Tarantino has said he will stop making movies after 10. Mm, right. Once he's made his 10th movie, he said he's going to retire as a director and he's just going to write books. Hmm. Which one sucks. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he has his reasons. You know, he says he wants to go out on top and not, like, live beyond his prime in terms of being a director. But, I mean, that's deeply depressing to, Very. I think, everybody. Um, so, <laughs> that's the thing. is like, even if they gave Tarantino free reign to do whatever he wants without being tied down to anything in terms of a Star Trek movie... I'm not sure I would want that Star Trek movie, you know, to get us one step closer to his retirement. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's like, I kind of just want to see some original shit from him. I don't want to see him um, necessarily put his stamp on a franchise. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess what I'm hoping is that the Quentin Tarantino story style comes through in this movie. Um, I would hope. But... I don't necessarily want him to direct it because I like as fucking cool as I think that could be. I don't think that it would be cooler than whatever original story he can give us. Yeah. He gives us his own take on the Star Trek style. That would be much cooler. Well, no, that's not what I mean. It's like, huh. even if he did that, I would, well, I would not, rather yeah. him give us an original story. Well, I mean like, uh, not, not so much a Star Trek movie, as in doing the sci-fi genre like that. Sure, that would be interesting. But Tar see, that's the other thing, is Tarantino mm. doesn't really seem to have an interest in sci-fi. Uh. I seem to remember hearing an interview with him where somebody asked him if he ever felt, if he ever wanted to do a sci-fi. And he said, you know, something along the lines of he loves sci-fi, but he doesn't really feel like he has anything new to bring to it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just don't really know how I feel about this because on the one hand, it would be fucking awesome to see a Tarantino Star Trek movie. On the yeah. other hand, it would suck that it's the fourth movie in a franchise, right? Yeah. And then again, it would suck that that brings us one step closer to his retirement. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm feeling like I'm even – I'm changing just right now. Like <laughs> I'm not sure whether I like this or not anymore. Well, like it sounded cool at first, but it's like when you get all the details, it's like, oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. Like, like I said, um, they're writing it. So yeah. in theory, we are going to get the story. I just I hope it has a Tarantino-esque feel to it. Um, I just don't necessarily know that I need him to direct it. As yeah. cool as that would be, I don't know that it's worth depriving the world of another original Tarantino movie. Yeah. I'm just I just hope that with that the studios don't decide to say, 
you know, fuck it, this can go and this can go. Oh, yeah. No, you know the studios are going to be digging into it. That's going to be pathetic, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really have much to say about that other than yeah. it's interesting. Like, Because there's no information about it. We no. don't know what the story is. We have no more information than Abrams liked it and he went and found writers. Yeah. You know, I don't even think we know who those writers are. Uh, Not as far as I, I just remember. hope it's not the fucking guy who wrote the second movie. Uh, Do you remember what his name is? He no. he directed Prometheus or he he wrote Prometheus and he also right. wrote Lost. Um I don't remember. God, I can't remember his name, but god damn it, that guy needs to go away and I fucking hope he's not involved in writing a Quentin Tarantino story. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh okay, so yeah. Uh moving on from that, are we back onto the topic of horror here? No. No. Why? I thought you were talking about Kevin Smith. Oh, that's right, because that is a horror. Yep, it is. Okay, yes. So I guess we are back onto the topic of horror. Maybe this list could have been better organized. Yep. Okay, so yes. Um, Kevin Smith directing a movie that I had never heard him talk about. Kevin's like, I listened to... Um, Smodcast. I listened to Smodcast, and I listened to Hollywood Babylon, yep. which he's on both of those podcasts every week, and normally... He loves talking about his new projects. Mm -hmm. um, I had not heard about Kilroy. Yep. Now, I I know Kilroy as in the, the World War II. Um, I guess maybe that could be considered the first instance of a meme. <laughs> I think actually Greece has them beat. Ancient Greece has them beat. Uh, but whatever. So Kilroy was this, this little character with a big nose that would show up on. It says Kilroy was here. Yeah, it says Kilroy was here. And that little that little character would show up all over the place during World War II. Yeah. Randomly, nobody knows who drew it. Yeah, right. And I, f I forget its significance um, off the top of my head. But Kevin Smith is apparently directing a movie that has something to do with it. Its and working title is Kilroy Was Here. Yeah. That's and as far as we know what it has to do with it. Um, and apparently... It spawned off of a podcast. One of his podcasts. One, one of in, his podcasts. Back in June of 2017. Which is what happened with Tusk. So, yeah. like, oh, and Yoga Hosers. So yep. this is not unheard of for Kevin Smith at all. Yeah. But it must have been an episode that I missed because I do not remember him talking about this project. And he has now released uh, the first photo from the set of yep. actually shooting it. The other thing is we're not convinced that it's – a feature mm -hmm. um, because it, it says it's yep. in an anthology. So I think it's just a short film, right? Yeah. Like, in multiple in a feature. Okay. So an anthology could either be multiple features in, I guess one set such as uh, what was it that uh, uh, Edgar Wright called his? Egg, oh, Edgar Wright. The um, hot fuzz. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that. that's not an anthology because he directed all of those. I well, guess, I guess it's similar. still an anthology, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so Edgar Wright did um, the sort of trilogy of movies with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, which are... Um, Hot Fuzz, Hot, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and At World's End. At World's End. Um, but I was thinking more like, um, oh shit, what was that faux documentary horror something, Lake? It was oh, the Australian shit. film. Lake Mungo? Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo is apparently part of an anthology that I can't right. find any of the other movies to. Right. But the point is, it's a feature, right? So it's it's a part of like 
you know, a, a, a bigger group of features that form this anthology. Yes. But the other form of anthology yeah. is several short films that make up the runtime of a feature length film. Right. So, like so, the ABCs of Death ABCs of or Death, VHS. Uh, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Uh, Christmas Horror Story. See, Trick or Treat was all the same director also, and those uh, stories were sort of intertwined. Um, point point being, yeah. um, we th- seem to think that this is a short film in a collection of short films that yeah. will make up a, a feature, like the ABCs of Death or VHS, mm. where each segment is directed by somebody else. And it looks like this is Kevin Smith's segment. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Smith is doing all of them, and this is just the first one we've heard about I don't for some think fucking so. reason. I don't think so, because that's the other thing about this, is that Kevin Smith keeps coming up with projects that just get shuffled around. Like yeah, every... he still needs to finish uh, the True North uh, trilogy. trilogy, which is Tusk, Yoga Hosers, and Moose Jaws. Right. Moose Jaws is on the slate, and he I don't think he's even really worked on it. As well, far as see, I know. that's the thing. I think he has a script for it, um, but he's been talking mm. about for years making this movie. He was talking about doing Moose Jaws before Yoga Hosers was even a thing, as far as I remember. Yeah. Um, and he pushed Moose Jaws back, uh, and he did Yoga Hosers, and now Moose Jaws has just been sitting there uh, collecting dust yeah. uh, while he's moving on to the new Jay and Silent Bob yeah. movie. But before the Jay and Silent Bob movie was supposed to be Clerks 3, which fell apart. Before Clerks 3, it was supposed to be the Mallrats TV series yep. that fell apart, you know? Um, so it's just like his his projects have just been everywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it feels then like... Then he's been directing TV shows And well. he's been directing TV shows, in, you know, he did several episodes of Supergirl, he did several Flash. episodes of The Flash, um, and so he's just been like all over the place, and... Now, Very schizophrenic in his uh, it's filmmaking. And so, you know, he was supposed to be directing uh, the Jay and Silent Bob movie. And when I heard about that, I was like, well, that's going to be interesting. It's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see those characters again played by those guys yeah. who, granted, are a little bit old. But still, you know, <laughs> still, I'm are, down. Hey, um, are we going to get Cockknocker again? Oh, my God, I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it'll be fun to see those guys. It'll be fun to see Kevin Smith do a comedy again. Yes, you know. that will be very refreshing. Um, and so I was like, "Sweet, Jane, Silent Bob." And then we're looking around, you know, at like uh, releases and shit, yep. what's being made, and we're like, "What the fuck is Kilroy?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and know? Jane, Silent Bob has been pushed back to last on the slate. Yeah, apparently, I yeah, just I I don't know what's going on with with Kevin Smith. I hope he gets his shit together. You know, I mean, it's been it's been interesting to see him sort of try to go outside of his comfort zone. Red State was great. I I have problems with Red State, but overall, fascinating movie to have come from Kevin Smith, Mm -hmm. you know, and really well made. And then you get to Tusk, and Mm. you're like, holy fuck, this entire movie is nothing but 40 billion in-jokes that (laughs) only his fans will get. And... I mean, I'm one of his fans, so I I got most of them because I listened to his podcast. But I'm like, this is not how you make a movie. No. This is how you alienate an audience is what this is. And beyond that, it couldn't even decide if it wanted to be a horror or a comedy because it wasn't a horror comedy. You know, that's horror comedy exists. Tusk was not that. Mm -hmm. Tusk 
had sections of horror and sections of comedy. It was all over the place, you know? And the comedy, for anybody who doesn't follow Kevin Smith, would have just fallen flat on its face, yeah. you know? Um, and even for people who do follow Kevin Smith, a lot of the comedy fell flat on its face. Because oh, yeah. a lot of the comedy came from, like, really obscure... Uh, like really obscure moments in a podcast from like four years before, something yeah, well, like that. Yeah, and and the other thing is the scene. The scene I always point to in Tusk is the scene that I call the Adam Sandler scene, right? Where um, it's Johnny Depp and Michael Parks. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp being this inspector with a dick on his face because that's what he is. He's <laughs> he's an ex- an inspector and his nose is a dick. Go yep. watch the movie and you'll see it. Um, talking to Michael Parks, who is the main villain, but not in this scene. In this scene, Michael Parks is pretending to be a stupid hillbilly. So you get this conversation that goes on for fuck ever, and it sounds like something out of an early Adam Sandler movie. It really does. And it goes on so long. You know, I (laughs) I don't usually like uh, accusing directors or storytellers of self-indulgence because mm. that's kind of what we're here for you know we're as as a storyteller you're you're here to indulge in the yeah. story that you want to tell but jesus fuck that was self-indulgence as fuck i mean holy yeah. god you know it's like i i appreciate that the actors just wanted to have fun but as a director and an editor, because remember, Kevin Smith edits all of his movies too. Yeah. So as the director and the editor, you have to know where to make that <laughs> cut. You have to know when to say enough is enough. No yeah. more. I think even Kevin Smith knows that that's where he's at. Oh, no. Kevin Smith doesn't even try no. to s- yeah. hide it. No. Kevin Smith is like, yeah, I'm just here making movies for myself and anybody who likes it, great. Which you kind of have to respect that – you know, that that state of being where you're like, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. And hopefully somebody else likes it. But if not, that's fine. I mean, that's but, how you make music. But <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> it's it seems like he's leaning on that as an excuse to not try as hard. Mm. And that's my problem with it, because Tusk could have been really interesting, even as a horror comedy. It could have been sort of a human centipede-esque thing, but making fun of human centipede-esque things. Which is really easy to do. Yeah, it it could have been that. And it could have functioned as a a straight horror with sort of underlying elements of comedy if you know where to look, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's what I had hoped it was going to be. I mean, the the scene where you first see Michael Parks roll up in in the wheelchair. Is Michael Parks in a wheelchair in that? I think so, yeah. Is well, is he in the wheelchair or is the main character in a wheelchair? Whatever. I don't remember. The first time you see Michael Parks yep. is legitimately creepy. Michael Parks is a great well, was a great actor. Uh, you know, he is he has since left us. <laughs> <laughs> that means he's dead. Yes. Um uh and and the, the, the cinematography on that scene was great, and the setting for that scene was great. Mm. Michael Parks' performance in that scene was great, but the longer the movie goes on, the more you're like, these are just a bunch of people that wanted to fuck around. You know what I mean? Like, you're not watching a movie. You're watching a group of friends fuck around. And have access to really expensive equipment. Which, I mean, fine, I guess. But that's not what you sold me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wanted to see a horror movie. 
not a yeah. bunch of friends fuck yeah, around. Because that's what the trailers made it out to be. Every, Kevin Smith called it a horror movie. And then again, Kevin Smith called Red State a horror movie. Too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you get you get that Tusk. You know, so you go from Red State to Tusk to yoga hosers, mm-hmm. right? It's just like it's going further and further down. It's getting ridiculous with yoga hosers. And so it, <laughs> I really, really wonder, you know, what we're going to get with Kilroy, who, which is now his next movie I guess, that he's yeah. currently shooting. What we're going to get with that, if it's going to be any good, if it's just going to be in jokes again, um, <laughs> like yoga hosers yeah. and Tusk, um, or if he's going to actually try to make horror, because he's calling this one a horror, too. Oh, yeah. So if he's going to actually try to make a horror for once, um, and then beyond that, Moose Jaws, literally Jaws with the Moose. I mean, that's how yeah. he pitches it. It's yep. Jaws with the Moose. He doesn't even try to hide it, and it's literally called Moose Jaws. You can't make a straight horror with that, right? No. It has to be a horror comedy. So is that going to be more fucking in-jokes that only his fans will understand? Probably, especially if it is part of the True North trilogy. Yes. Which is supposed to be the finale of that. It's probably going to be... I have a feeling that these three movies are his in-joke films. Like, for whatever reason, he's decided, I'm going to make three (sighs) movies that are just in-jokes. I mean, all three of them spawned from his podcast, so perhaps yeah. that's the thought process. But I want to see him actually try to make a horror. You know, I want yeah. to see him try his hand at a thriller again after Red State. Because Red State is, is great. It builds tension phenomenally well. I, I want to see him do that. I don't want to see him fucking around. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... The, the attitude of, ah, I'm just going to do what I want and I hope people like it, fine, I get it, the whole Zen stoner thing. Yep. But I also want to see you try <laughs> because I know <laughs> when you try, you can do good stuff. We've seen it and I want to see more of it. You know, I don't want to keep seeing these weird in-joke movies. And it also makes me fear for the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Yep. You know, love, him, love those movies or not, you know, the... You know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and Clerks and and all of those movies, love them or not, you have to admit that they all have a unique voice to them. And I fear that Kevin Smith has lost that voice. Mm. That's a tough one. And I really hope not because I am looking forward to the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. And I'm looking forward to new movies from Kevin Smith in general. Yeah, like, I follow Kevin Smith. Every time he's working on a new movie, I know what it is. I'm up to date with him. But that doesn't stop me from being, like, everything he's made for the past 10 years has kind of not been great, with the exception of Red State. Yeah. You know, you go, I'm like, I even like Zack and Miri. I think a lot of yep. people don't like Zack and Miri. Uh, but no, it, it's a very divisive film. Most people seem to think that it was just a Judd Apatow ripoff movie. Even Kevin Smith says it was him trying to be Judd Apatow. Yeah. But it's still a decent movie. It's still fun and funny and quirky. But And then you get to Red State, and he shows you a completely different side of himself. You know, he shows that he has the ability to build tension, to, to shoot both drama and uh, thriller. 
and even some elements of horror, even though that is not a horror film, Kevin <laughs> Smith. That is not yeah. a horror movie. A lot of people seem to confuse thriller and horror. It, you know, so it's like that section of his career where he was in turmoil trying to find himself because, you know, he had the whole freak out at Sundance where he's like, I'm not going to give Red State to distributors. We're going to distribute it ourselves. He gave that whole speech and everybody thought, oh, he's lost it. And then he just tumbles further and further into doing Tusk and uh, Yoga Hosers. And it, as much as I don't want to think so, it really does feel like Kevin Smith has gone senile. <laughs> well, it, it, just, <laughs> In it, it just feels like he doesn't give a <laughs> fuck anymore, mm. right? And not not even necessarily in a bad way where it's like some directors, when they don't give a fuck anymore, you know, like they don't give a fuck. Kevin Smith doesn't give a fuck in a fun sense where he's just like, I'm just going to do wacky shit and see what happens. And there's something fun and interesting about that. But ultimately, I just want to see you do a good movie for once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, again. Again, yes. Um, because he has done good movies. You know, yeah. both both comedy and Red State as a, as a serious <laughs> thriller. Yeah. But I want to see him do a good movie again. You know, I'm kind of over his experiments. I, I just want to see him do a good movie. Yeah. So it'll be very fascinating to see how this all develops with Kevin Smith. Yeah, and, and, and to see what the fuck yeah. Kilroy is. Thinking back on it, I do remember seeing that on his list of films to direct back in June of 2017. Because I remember just scrolling through IMDb and clicking on Kevin Smith. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's he been up to recently? I haven't listened to some of his podcasts, so I don't know. And I remember seeing that on there. And I was like, what the fuck I, is I, this? And then there was no information about it. I will admit, it. I kind of fell off of Smodcast because, yeah. uh, oh shit, I just had his name in my head. Scott Mosier mm. uh, is sort of AWOL in Europe right now. Yeah. Um, and so he hasn't been on the podcast. And so Kevin Smith has been Double one. Duty. Well, he's <laughs> been filling time with guests and he hasn't been putting them out every week. Mm. So I, I kind of stopped following him for a for a little while, so maybe it was in one of those episodes. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look up the episode where they talk about Kilroy. So, final thoughts. Let's just go through the list. Okay. All the money in the world, worth seeing. Yep. Um, I, I'm looking forward to that. Sl I will see it. Slenderman movie looks... Generic. Generic, but at least worth seeing, possibly. Yeah. Whether in theaters or on Redbox is to be decided on... You know, the next trailer they put out. Yeah, Spider-Man, I'll see just because yeah. the animation is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's one thing I don't think I brought up that I meant to was that it's a mix of 2D flash animation and, like, and 3D, 3D SketchUp animation. Yeah. Which SketchUp is Google's 3D animator. Yeah. Tarantino Star Trek is going to be <laughs> fascinating to see what happens with that. Very and fascinating. And Kevin Smith. Yeah, fascinating. Kevin Smith. You know, we'll <laughs> see what the fuck. So the movie that I'm going to recommend this week that you all go out and see is Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Uh, and if you have not seen Barton Fink, which I guess is the point of this recommendation, yep. um, it is a Coen Brothers movie, a sort of earlier Coen Brothers movie, 90s. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what year. It might be the single most Coen Brothers-y Coen Brothers movie <laughs> because, you know, you have two sides to the Coens, 
right? You yeah. have the comedy side, like Raising Arizona, and you have the hardcore drama side, like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. And Barton Fink seems like a perfect in-between merging of those two two sides. Yeah. It's a it's a yeah. great movie with a great cast, great performances, uh, especially John Goodman. Yeah. You know that John Goodman might be, or or Barton Fink might be the movie that really cemented um, John Goodman in my brain as a great actor, and who I since feel is very underutilized. Yep. <laughs> like go watch John Goodman and Barton Fink, and then tell me you think he's being used properly in the movies that he's <laughs> doing now. It's a yeah, it's a really good, really interesting movie. It's both a drama and a comedy, but it's balanced out really well takes place in the 20s it's about a, a screenwriter i won't give away the the sort of thing about the movie i'll leave that yeah. for you to discover for yourself um but go pick it up it's kind of hard to find on blu-ray i will say it's was released by kino international kino i, kino, I believe however, so, yeah. however the fuck you pronounce that so it doesn't have a first party release it's only this third party release and it's it's 20 bucks so yeah. not the cheapest movie um but that being said it's not a 30 dollar criterion release either you know? <laughs> so but yeah definitely go find it if you can't find it on blu-ray rent it on itunes or something it should be in HD there. All right. For me, uh, it's more obscure to what we we're talking about, but it still fits in with us talking about horror and horror comedy and bringing up H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. It's Reanimator. Didn't you already recommend Reanimator? I did not, okay. as far as I know. Okay. If I did, then <laughs> oops. Oh, well. Okay. But it definitely fits in there where... It's a strange adaptation that doesn't follow the source material at all, yet still manages yeah. to be entertaining but you, and good. But you really can't follow the source material no. when you're talking about Lovecraft. Lovecraft is so Out surreal there. and cerebral. Like you, you, it's Lovecraft isn't literal it's, at all, so it's, it's it very, almost impossible yeah. to put on film. It's very dependent on using all of your senses by using descriptive words. Yeah, well, and he also consistently describes the indescribable. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, a, a thing with an indescribable yes. shape. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> In concept, you understand that, but how the yeah. fuck do you put that on film? You the know color I mean? from outer space. It's a n different color. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's been. Uh, wasn't there a movie made about that? Yes, and it was shot it was in black, black and white. And white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's the way they got around. It was like, how do you show a color that's never been seen before? You don't. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the reanimator. This is a, a favorite of both of ours. Yes. Um, and un unlike the other H.P. Lovecrafts, you can adapt <clears throat> the story because there's nothing really in it that's unadaptable. Uh, so It's just a matter of Stuart Gordon, the director's choice in choosing to turn it more into an 80s comedy, uh, a horror comedy. Yeah, and as a horror comedy, it works really well. It's really very, entertaining. Very well. um, let's talk Jeffrey about... Jeffrey Combs is a great casting as yes. uh, Herbert West. Um, let's talk about the release, though, because the release can be really confusing to those not in All the right. know. Okay, so the best version of the movie that you could get, 
you can't get anymore, which was the Arrow release. Yes. Now, apparently, they're going to be re-releasing the limited release, which is good because yes. I'll be able to buy it. Yeah. I read on Arrow Video that they're doing a very, very limited release coming up in March of 2018. Uh, so, yeah. Um, if you can get that version of it, get the Arrow release because it yep. comes with both the theatrical cut and the international the international cut. These are two vastly different cuts of this film. Yep. Um, the international cut includes like an entirely di new <laughs> subplot that's mm -hmm. just completely removed from the American cut. So if you're a collector like I am and like Carson is, yep. um, oh yeah, we didn't say our names at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, eh, well. fuck it, who cares? Um, if you're a collector like we are, it's good to have both of those, and it's a nice box set. Comes with fuck tons of special features. Comes with a little booklet. Yep. You know, the whole thing looks nice yeah. on a shelf. It's a really fat box. Yes, one of the features, even being actor Jeffrey Combs, who plays Herbert West, he reads the original story yeah. by so, H.P. Lovecraft. So basically, if you buy this Arrow release, you get an audiobook with it of the original story yep. read by the actor. As well as on Blu-ray ROM, you get the screenplay for the film. Oh, yeah, you get the screenplay also. And the, the Blu-ray is I, – I haven't watched it yet um, yeah. uh, since I borrowed it from you, but it the, the transfer looks really good. Yeah, it's a um, 4K remaster uh, from the original yeah. negatives. So all that being said, if you can get that version, get it. I think you can probably get it now on eBay, but it's going to be absurdly expensive. Uh, as of I think a few weeks ago on eBay, it goes for over $100 standard – you know, for yeah. a copy that's been Because unopened. it was a limited run. Yep. Yeah. So if you can't get that, there is another release that's just the uh, American cut. Yep. And to be fair, I think the American cut is the best cut. The subplot that they add in in the international cut is sort of pointless and doesn't go anywhere and is kind of just... It's there. It, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's pointless. If you just want the the wacky, fun horror comedy ride with lots of fun effects watch the um, original cut yes and i don't think you'll be disappointed that you're not seeing some weird subplot about hypnosis yeah um so you can get just the american cut on blu-ray right now probably for like 10 bucks yeah it's even on dvd yeah, well, if you can't find the Blu-ray, if you can't, but the Blu-ray is everywhere. Like, it's not yeah. hard to find the basic Blu-ray. Uh, I don't remember what the transfer quality is like on that. I've never seen it, so I don't know. But I've never seen that I, particular yeah, Blu-ray. I, I think the transfer on the regular Blu-ray is all right. I don't think it's phenomenal. It's sure as shit better than the DVD is going to be. Yeah. So there is also a Reanimator 2, which is Bride of the Reanimator. Which is also on Arrow. Which it's is not a limited release. Yeah. Um, it is a tin case. That's the only way that you can buy it, and it pisses me off because I <laughs> fucking hate tin cases. But, um, yeah, you can buy Bride of Reanimator right now from Arrow. Um, which is also. which not to knock the original or not to knock the uh, sequel, I mean. It, it doesn't stand up to the first one by far, but it's still a very, very entertaining film. We should also mention there is a third one. I've never From seen it, but here's the thing is it has none of the same cast, none no. of the same crew, not the same director, not the same writer, nothing. No. And it's ultra low budget. And it's basically the Troll 2 of the Reanimator franchise, if you can call it a franchise. Yeah, the trilogy. Yeah. 
So I, I wouldn't worry too much about that one unless you're no. like a diehard collector who's specifically interested. It's yeah. it's garbage. Don't even worry about it. If you want to watch another movie directed by Stuart Gordon and also starring Jeffrey Combs, uh, you know, what Pit in the Pendulum's a good one. But also uh there There's also From Beyond. And I yes, think From, from Beyond. Beyond is a better pairing with Reanimator. It is. I think it's close It's also in, an HP Lovecraft uh, right. adaptation. From, from Beyond is also Lovecraft. It's um uh what oh shit, what's the director's name? Stuart Gordon. It's Stuart Gordon with Lovecraft again and also with um oh god damn it, the actor. Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, thank you. Um so it's it's that pairing of the three again, and it's not as good as Reanimator. No. But it's it, still very entertaining. I, I would argue that the effects in it are better. Yes. Um, because the effects in From Beyond are batshit crazy and hilariously fun. Yep. So I guess th- that's a, a three-way suggestion in one. Yeah. <laughs> so go watch Martin Fink. Go watch Reanimator. Go watch Pit and the Pendulum. Go watch go, Bride of Reanimator. Go watch Bride of Reanimator. So four and one. And go watch yeah. um, uh, From, uh, Beyond. From Beyond. <laughs> so yes. there are your suggest- <laughs> suggestions for this yes. week. And to um, briefly mention, I found it interesting. I was looking it up, and Jeffrey Combs plays the villain of the Injustice 2 video game Brainiac. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, Fascinating. That was, I didn't even oh, know he so was still working. Weird. Neither did I. But, yes, uh, that is all we had. This was just supposed to be a short test of the microphones and the cables and the arm and all that. Well, and we, we needed to record Everything. a third episode. And we needed a third episode. If this episode. works, it's over an hour. It's not like we no. just sat down and jacked off for ten minutes. We sat down and jacked off for over an hour. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. we made it worth it. Our, our jack off was worth it. So, we hope you have enjoyed this third installment of the Watts Podcast. It's a shorter one. There will hopefully be many more to come. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. So, fuck you guys.